The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands in perfect victory while you have breath. have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I usually come to this broadcast with a great deal of excitement. I usually come with eagerness and joy. Today I don't come that way. I come with deep sadness. In fact, not even wanting to do the broadcast. Why? Because I see the judgment of Jesus coming upon the American church. I see the destruction of the American church if it does not quickly turn and repent. It's hard to talk about. The deception is so deep and so ingrained that people look at me when I try to speak with them about it and they say, what are you saying, Pastor? What are you talking about? I'm fine. In fact, I just spoke to someone last night about this and they said to me, why is all this trouble coming on me, Pastor? I'm not doing drugs. I'm not fornicating. I'm not cheating. I'm not lying. I'm not stealing. Why is God doing this to me? And I said to them, you don't really want an answer, do you? Yes, I do want an answer. Would you be honest with me? Even if you don't like it, you want me to say it? Yes, tell me. I said, you don't know Jesus. You're religious, but you don't know Jesus. And you're much too much in love with yourself. You want certain things in life. You want your American lifestyle. You want your family to be what you want them to be. You want, you want, you want. But you have never stepped across the line and said, Jesus, okay, you're everything. I surrender to you. No, this person said, Pastor Ray, I'm trying the best I can. Well, did you know that trying the best you can is still making you the center? It's still self-love. It's still a humanistic process of self-improvement. You don't try to surrender. You're either surrendered or you're not surrendered. Either you are born again by the miraculous power of God or you are not. And this person is filled with bitterness, anger, self-love. They're so far from Jesus, they don't even know how to pray. And that is, frankly the condition of the Christian church in America. It doesn't please me. It doesn't comfort my heart to say these things. But I can tell you today that the Christian church in America, with all of their beautiful buildings and all of their infrastructure and all of their wonderful education, is about to be destroyed by Jesus if there is not a dramatic and radical change. I want to read for you, before we go to Revelation, where we'll speak about the church at Thyatira. Let me read for you from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 
Now I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses by the cloud and by the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock following them. Now that rock was Christ. But God was not well pleased with most of them, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, let me stop a moment. God is not pleased with most of the American church. He is grieved. He is angry. And he is going to bring severe judgment, painful judgment, And many will say, oh, this is just persecution from the devil. No. This is Jesus saying, I've judged you and found you unworthy. You have not truly loved me. You have loved yourselves. You have enjoyed the American life, the luxurious American life. And you have given nothing to my kingdom. Oh, you've given money. You've given some time. You've given some energy to the institutional church. But you have not spent the time in the prayer closet. You've not spent the time seeking my face. You've not loved your brothers and sisters. You've not cared for the poor. The 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians He continues, God was not well pleased with most of them, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples for us not to be passionate with reference to evil things, as they were also passionate. You must not become idolaters, as some of them were. As it stands written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither may we practice sexual immorality as some of them did, and they fell in one day 23,000. Neither may we tempt the Christ, as also some of them tempted and perished by the serpents. You must not even grumble as some of them grumbled, and they perished by the destroyer. Now, all these things were happening to those persons as examples, and it was written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age came. So then the ones assuming to have stood must pay attention, lest he may fall. No temptation hath come upon you except what is common to mankind. Now, God is faithful who will not permit you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation he will also make the way out, so that being able, you endured from start to finish. For this very reason, my beloved, you must flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you must judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a fellowship of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a fellowship of the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we, the many, are one body, for we are all partakers from the one bread. Consider Israel according to the flesh. Are not the ones eating the sacrifices participating the altar? What then am I saying? That an idol is anything, or that meat offered to an idol is anything? Rather, that which the Gentiles sacrifice is sacrificed to demons and not to God. Now, I do not want you to become partakers of demons. You are not able to drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons You are not able to partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? 
we're not stronger than he, are we? First Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Do you see? We say, I want to be a Christian. I want to walk without sin in my life, but, but I try as hard as I can, but I'm always coming up short. I can't do it. Please hear me. That is an excuse that will not fly with Jesus. Don't make excuses for yourself, but humble your heart before Almighty God. Judgment is going to come upon the church because we have tried in our own strength to be righteous. A self-improvement gig strategies to be prosperous and successful. That's not what the gospel of Jesus is about. The gospel of Jesus calls us to humble our hearts before him and to totally surrender. And and many of you listening, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you haven't been able. You can't be able until you've been crucified with Christ. You have to be willing to give up your self-love, your agenda, your bucket list. Everything you are and have must be surrendered to Jesus. I'm so tired of talking with Christians and having them say to me, you know, Pastor, all I can do is my best. That's not true. You can lay your life down for Jesus. You don't have to hold on to your life. So I come to the message to Thyatira. A message I don't want to give, but I will. I will be faithful to Jesus. It begins in Revelation, the second chapter, verse 18. And you must write to the angel of the church in Thyatira, that is, to the pastor of the church at Thyatira, the Son of God, the one having his eyes as a flame of fire, that is, the one whose eyes see everything, as it says in Job 42, 2. No thought is hidden from him. He can do all things. The hand of God is not short. The hand of God can do all things for you. He can give you every victory. But here in Revelation, Jesus is coming and his eyes are full of flame of fire. That fire is judgment. His feet are like fine brass. And he says, I know your works and the love and the faith and the service And your patience, in fact, your last works are greater than the first. This is an amazing description of a godly church, of a church who is eager to serve, a church that is eager to love, a church that has laid everything down for the gospel of Jesus, a church that has given up self-love, a church that is faithful before Jesus. But then in verse 20, he comes with this very painful, dreadful statement. But I have, I have against you that you are tolerating the woman Jezebel. And if you look closely at the Greek, it is the wife Jezebel. And many of the early fathers believed that Jezebel here, spoken of, is the wife of the, of the pastor of the Thyatira church. She claims to be a prophetess, even teaching and leading my servants astray to practice sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. 
as I was praying about this for the the church of today. What the Spirit of God said to me is, this is a spirit of seduction that has come over the American church. The American church has been seduced by money and by prosperity and by popularity. The American church has been seduced. A person talked to me about their son, and they said, you know, I want to give my son the best possible time I can give him. So we went to King's Dominion for a week. And we went here and we went there. We had a wonderful time. We went to the, to the movie and we went to this. And we, this precious person wants to give their son every possible way to be entertained to be happy. I would have felt much different if this person had said, I took my son to the zoo and we talked about the amazing things God has created. Or I took my son and we went sailing and we talked about God's beautiful creation. I'd have felt differently if this person had said to me, my son and I went hiking in the mountains. No, that's not what this person said. They took their son to the world to entertain their son, to fill him full of darkness. And now this person is saying, why is God doing this to me? Well, you led your son astray. You tried to make the world as happy and attractive to him as you possibly could. And some of you, you take your children to the dance studio. You take them to the ice skating rink. You take them to every possible entertainment you can take them to. You're running all the time, going here and going there. You're seducing your child into the ways of the world. You give them a cell phone so now they can go on the internet and they can look at every unclean thing. They can watch the movies. They can even go to the pornography as young children. You seduce your child. You want some time to yourself so you turn the the movies and the the videos and the television on and your child sits and drinks in that darkness. And then you wonder why your child acts like a wild maniac. And you say to me, Pastor, I can't bring my child to church because they would be a total disturbance to the service. I was brought to church as a child. And I learned how to pray play quietly with a quiet toy. I never missed a weekend service at church, nor did my brothers. My dad was on the platform. Mother sat with us in a pew, a hard wooden bench. We were introduced to Jesus. We were not Wild maniacs. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I talked with another person just last night. And I said to them, why don't you come by and and join us for worship one Sunday? And they said, oh, pastor, I'm going to come and, and, and visit you. But they said, I have so many things going on in my life. I have so many people to spend time with. I have so many responsibilities. I have my job. I have, and they listed a whole bunch of things. I said, oh, okay, I got it. 
you're welcome when you decide to come. I know this person doesn't go to church anywhere. They watch it once in a while online. They're very religious. Can quote the scriptures. But they don't know Jesus. They've been seduced by the world. They've been seduced by their own self-agenda and their own self-love. They've been seduced by money and power and prestige. And so they want to drive that big, beautiful BMW. They want to drive the big, beautiful SUV. They want to have all of the things of the world and, and they want to be loved and, and have lots of friends and have them come to the house and have parties and They don't know. They don't know Jesus. That's the American church. Or the ones who who get together for a, a night of cigars and and gambling with nickels. Whole group of them, and I ask them, Have you won anyone to Jesus this year? They looked at me like I was a strange duck. No. Have you won anyone to Jesus in the last five years? No. It's not our job. That's the preacher's job. I'm good with finances. I'm good with this. I'm good with that. It's not my job to talk about Jesus. What? They've been utterly seduced by the world. But they're very, very religious people. And if you say to them, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. But they bear no fruit for Jesus. The fruit they bear is to earn money, to be well-loved by their friends and their family. Verse 21, the Lord goes on, I even gave her time that she might repent, but she is not willing to repent, separating from her immorality. Well, in the scriptures, immorality is often not fornication. That is the sex act. It is fornication with wickedness, with self. What's important is, is what I look like and how my, my appearance is. What's important is how I speak and what I accomplish and where I go and who I know. That's all fornication. If it takes the place of Jesus Christ. Now verse 22 is where it gets real. Pay attention. I am throwing her onto a bed and the ones committing adultery with her into great tribulation. If they may not repent, separating themselves from her works and I will kill her children with death and all the churches will know that I am the one searching minds and hearts. In fact, I will give to you each one according to your works. Oh, but wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. I thought this was all imputed grace. I thought Jesus would look at me and not see me, but he would see himself and his righteousness, and I could continue being a sinner, and I'd still be saved. Not according to the risen Christ. According to the popular preachers of our churches in America, absolutely, but not according to Jesus. Now, what's terrifying about what I just read to you is that it's saying, and I almost entitled this broadcast today, The Destruction of the American Church. Jesus is saying, as we come to the last age, as we come to the end of the age of grace, and that's where we're positioned It's like my telling you, we're two and a half years before the flood of Noah, and if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed in the great flood. I'm telling you, we are 
a very short time. I don't set times, but we are a very short time. The end of the age of grace, according to the Essenes and other ancient sources, is 2025. We are coming to the end of the age of grace. And if you don't turn away from this casual, self-centered, entertaining religion called the American church and get serious and lay your life down for the gospel, Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to judge you. I'm going to throw you on a bed of affliction and I'm going to kill you. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Why did Jesus, by the Spirit, take the life of Ananias and Sapphira? Well, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Is it not lying to the Holy Spirit to say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, and then you spend your time and your money and your energy seeking the things of this world? the entertainment of this world and the acceptance of this world. While you meantime say, you know, I'm I'm just trying my best pastor, but that's all I can do. That's lying to the Holy Spirit because as I said to you out of, out of Job 42, two, no thought is hidden from him and he can do all things. He has promised he will break the bondage of sin in your life and he will set you free. So this one person said to me, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, you could begin doing something that you haven't done. You could begin in Matthew and read carefully the entire New Testament and especially Revelation and come into a place of reality with Almighty God. You've been spending your time watching the shows, doing the entertainment, being upset and angry and and struggling and worrying about how you're going to pay your bills. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So if it's not being provided for you, it's because you're not seeking his face first. You're still full of you. You still love you. So I said to this person, step number one, you must take the time, turn the TV off, turn the movies off, turn the social interaction off, turn your cell phone off, and just spend time with Jesus and get acquainted with him again and read carefully Matthew through Revelation. You need also to listen to a straight, honest word of God being preached to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to listen to the broadcast that I do or other godly men or women do that does not compromise with darkness but will tell you the truth. I said, you need to go back and listen to the broadcast just this week. Do you understand why this is such a difficult broadcast to give? Jesus is saying, look. The American church has been seduced by worldly pastors, by pleasing pastors, by the world, by the flesh, and by the devil. The American church has lost its strength and its power. It has lots of money. It's rich. It builds beautiful buildings. It holds great events. But the American church does not know Jesus. 
we have turned away from him. Now, there is still a remnant in America that love Jesus with all of their hearts, and they're walking righteous and clean before God. But the sin that I have committed as one of those is that I have been very pleasing and tolerant to people who are walking in seduction to the world. I have pleaded with God to give me the words to speak this warning message to you, to encourage you, to call you, to turn away from everything of this world, to step forward and say, I must have Jesus. Now, listen, this is the encouraging part. He says, I say to you, the rest, that is, those who are godly, who have who have put up with Jezebel, who have put up with the seduction, who many of you are sitting in churches, you're absolutely disgusted by what you see and hear in your church, but you still put your money there and you still walk in those doors. Get out. Stop it. Don't compromise with seduction. But I say to you, the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this teaching of seduction, who do not know the deep things of Satan, I'm not putting another burden upon you. But you must hold fast what you have until I may come. And so the one overcoming and the one keeping my works until the end I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. They will be shattered like vessels belonging to the potter. What's he talking about? He's talking about the millennium. He's talking about those of us who live at the end of time, the end of the the age of grace. That's what the Essenes called this age. This time period in history, they called the age of grace. Now, I want to read for you from the book of Revelation. I want to read several things for you. This is uh, chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. So I want to stop a minute. Do you understand this Jesus that we worship is not a tame wolf? He's not someone who's going to compromise with wickedness. He's not going to save a person who insists on walking in their own way and their own self-love and their own wickedness. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. He's, He's wearing a robe that was dipped in his own precious blood. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen and white and clean. And we learn in verse 8 of Revelation 19 that that fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you understand? This is what Jesus is talking about in this message to Thyatira. And this message comes, first we find it in Psalm 2. Let me read it for you. 
Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord. That's what's happening right now in America. The current administration, the wicked, corrupt justice system, the politicians, they are gathering together against the Lord Jesus and against his anointed ones. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. The Lord is laughing at President Biden. The Lord is laughing at the corrupt politicians. He's not unknowing. He knows what they're doing. And he knows what their plans are. Verse 5, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. That is, he's installed Jesus as king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 7, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me and I will give the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. This is what's being quoted in the message to Thyatira and the message in the book of Revelation. This is Psalm 2, verse 9. You will rule them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. I want to say, you American church, Be wise. Be warned. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. That is, kiss Jesus, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. My question, have you taken refuge in Jesus? Have you taken refuge in Jesus Christ? Many of you are still blowing him off. You think it's a tame thing to be a Christian because you see what's happening in the church today and you say, Wow. There's only one way you're going to make it through this deal and rule with Jesus in eternity. And that is if you kiss the sun. He goes on, I also have received from my father. Verse 28, this is Revelation 3, verse 28. I'm sorry, Revelation 2, verse 28. And I will give to him the morning star. I had another call last night from a friend who'd had a a terrifying dream. And in that terrifying dream, there was a new world religion emerging. And there was one As the people gathered, there were two lines. One was to be baptized in an old-fashioned shabby pool. And the other was to be baptized in a very slick, fancy pool. Jesus was doing the baptizing in the old pool. And the devil was doing the baptizing in the big, shiny, splashy pool. And this person saw the demonic activity in the, in the slick new world church where everyone had to be marked. And she went to the other pool. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched her. 
and a star appeared on her hand. And she was told, be like prophet Isaiah. I said, please read the sixth chapter of Isaiah. God has just called you. This is not someone who walks before Jesus. But Jesus called her. She went down in the water, and when she came up out of the water, the visible appearance of the star had been washed away, but she still felt it on her hand. I said to her, do you still feel it? Yes. He says, verse 26, So the one overcoming and the one keeping my works until the end, I will give to him the morning star. Jesus will mark you. The one having an ear must hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you belong to a church that teaches that you cannot overcome your sin, you must do your best, but you're never going to be able to get through. The old man of sin cannot be destroyed in your life. You're going to always have to put up with that. You are in a Jezebel church. You're in a church where you're being lied to. Now, what I'm talking about is not legalism. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's about a man, a Messiah, a God. His name is Jesus. And you must get to that Jesus. And you get to that Jesus by reading the scriptures by meditating upon them and by asking the Holy Spirit to expose every dark place in your heart, every wicked thing in your spirit. One person said to me, Pastor, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't know why God would treat me this way. You're too far away from God to even begin to see the wickedness that's in your heart and in your life. And so by your standard, you're doing great. But Jesus is saying, if you don't repent, I'm going to come and throw you on a bed of affliction and I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill your children. Oh, Jesus wouldn't do that. No, the one who said this in Revelation is the risen Christ. Surely he knows what he's going to do better than some modern preacher knows what he'll do. You see why I didn't want to give this message today? It breaks my heart. I want to just weep. I see the judgment of God coming upon the American church. It it is going to be utterly destroyed. The buildings are going to be destroyed. The institutions are going to be destroyed. Every part of it, it's going to be wiped out unless there is deep, heartfelt repentance turning away from this. So read the scriptures. Cry out to God. Get on your face before him. Get serious with Jesus, and he will get serious with you. And those of you who are there, standing with Jesus, stop tolerating compromise and darkness. Don't be a part of a church that's walking in compromise and darkness. Get out and find Jesus' place for you. Well, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Many of you have a hard time praying because you're so compromised with your darkness that you are afraid to pray. You don't know what you'd say. Well, say what's in your heart. Cry aloud to Jesus. So tomorrow will be a day of prayer. 
We're still about uh, $1,900 short of having the money to pay for the radio broadcast for this month. I need your help if Jesus prompts you to give. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I either need some of you to step in with very large contributions or many of you to step in with small contributions or both. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You're welcome to come to the service on Sunday. If you need directions, call me. I'll give you my personal cell phone number, 703-489-1785. That's how serious I am about you getting right with Jesus. Do you want to get right? I don't want you to have any excuse. Sunday will be a very sober day. It'll be a day of rejoicing on one hand and a day of getting right with Jesus on the other. If you'd like to be a part, you're welcome to come. Again, you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters who've listened and who will listen to this message. My heart is very broken and sad. I see that destruction is coming upon the American church and that many will die because you're serious with us and we have turned and sat at the table of demons for too long. We've compromised too long. We love too much of the world, Lord. I ask you, please come, turn the heart of the American church back to you. Please have mercy upon us. Please send your spirit forth in power. Lord, I know the American church has no possible way of escape except by your mercy and by your spirit, for your wrath is against us. Lord, come quickly. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Share this with a friend. Also, would you subscribe to our channel on YouTube if, if you'd like to hear more? And God bless you today. I love you. I know it's been a straight, hard message, but it comes out of a heart of love to turn you from the way of darkness to the way of light. I'll talk to you soon. Savior, through Jesus Christ. Our-